White Castle, six packs, ribs, four racks, extra cheese, I'll take that. Might fuck around, have some Chick-fil-A, eat whatever I want, it's Darren Strong's epic cheat day. Tune in and hear what I have to say, you're listening to Epic Cheat Day. With your host, Derek Strong. There we are. Guys, welcome to another edition of the Epic Cheat Day podcast. I'm your host, Derek Strong, and with me, the illustrious Kristen Toomey. Uh, probably one of the funniest comics in this city. I'm going to just pipe you up the entire time. This is the <laughs> podcast right here. It's just me telling you how great you are and how gracious I am for for you being, will, being, more, being willing to do the podcast. So thank you so much. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? Doing good. I uh, just had one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in what my did whole you entire eat? life. Uh, Tempesta Market. They have a meatball sub that is fucking phenomenal. Oh, really? Yeah. I miss meatballs. I haven't had one in a really long time. Because really? I can't eat the breadcrumbs unless it's a gluten-free Oh, one. really? You're doing yeah. all that. Okay. Well, the first question I ask every one of my guests, this is going to lead to the first question that I ask all my guests is, what is the greasiest meal you had all week? The greasiest one? Yeah. Um. Well, I did eat a box, a whole box of pasta two days ago i'm pmsing so i'm oh I've been eating, okay like, good terribly oh, wow. all week and i had a whole box of pasta and pesto Ooh. which was really good my stepmom made it really and she sent it, yeah yeah okay. sent it home with me does she do the whole like pine nuts and everything yeah, yeah that's and it had so do. much oil in it so i don't know if it's grease that's not really grease but it was yeah. oily and it yeah. was a lot of carbs yeah so i feel like that whole, day was rough a whole box in one sitting yeah. No, I spaced it out throughout the day. Ooh. But okay. I had the last bit of it at like midnight or something. Got really it. bad time. And then went to bed. I was watching Golden Girls. Nice. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> over at my mom's. I don't have a TV, but my mom, I was over at her house. She wasn't there. Yeah. I, me and my dog go over there. She's my neighbor. Oh, really? And What's we, that like? <laughs> well, she's at her boyfriend's house most like half the week. Oh, cool. Okay. So. My dog and I go over there on the weekends so she can watch TV. My dog likes Pitbulls and Parolees. What's Pitbulls and, Pitbulls and Parolees? Some show on, I don't know, TLC or something. But your dog is riveted. That's she loves the, it, yeah. That's the point. Okay, yeah. well, good. Well, that's going to be the title of the episode is <laughs> Box of Pasta with uh, with Homemade Pesto with uh, Kristen Toomey. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so, okay, so... I'm somewhat ambivalent about the way to approach this episode of the podcast because I do kind of want to dive into gluten-free, but also because you are literally, first of all, up until a couple weeks ago, I never referred to you as Kristen. Every time I've referred to you, it's Kristen Toomey. Every time everybody's talked about you, Kristen Toomey, it's just, you know, you're speaked about in hushed tones, dark places, you know, like a legend, like a legend should. So, Oh, I think that's good. And uh, I know some of the people that listen to my podcast. Fortunately for me, some of my listeners are – well, a good portion of my listeners are not comics. So that's oh, good. great. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. Uh, but some of them are. And of I course, love comics, though. I know you do. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, they love you, too. So that's that's why I'm like this. Okay, which, which route should I go? Because I definitely want to dive into comedy stuff, obviously. But I'm also curious about gluten-free. So, I mean – Let's do both. Do you mind doing both? Not at all. Okay, great. So let's start with gluten-free first, the softball stuff. Okay, so is this gluten-free by choice, or is it you have a gluten, a legitimate gluten allergy, and you stay away from it? Yeah, I have celiac. Got it. Okay, so yeah. I was diagnosed with that in like 1983, and nobody knew what gluten was. Yeah, in 1983, nobody and cigarettes were still good for you. In right, right, right. You right? could smoke on planes. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, nobody knew what it was, and I remember, like, I stole Oreos because I was so jealous that kids could have cookies and cakes and all that. Yeah. So I would, like, sneak it, and, um, yeah, I went away to camp, and I told them, like, they knew that I had celiac and I yeah. couldn't have gluten, but they didn't know. Nobody knew what it was. Yeah, and where So I totally lied and said that I could have the peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. I said that that was the only thing not gluten because I – always saw everybody having peanut butter and jelly on Wonder Bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something that I've really wanted. Of and course. then 
that's all I ate for the three weeks at sleep away camp. And I came home and I was like so sick. I was so, (laughs) so sick. And then I won the, you can't eat that award. At the end of camp, they give everybody like a a silly award. Totally. That was it. Because every meal they put down, I was like, I can't eat that. I can only eat the peanut butter and jelly. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's you and I are from the, the one thing that I was just like, okay, we could bond totally on this is you and I are both Gen X and I don't think anybody knows what the fuck that is. Or yeah, it's what so that nice means. to see somebody my age, by yeah, the way. Thank you. I yeah. mean, yeah, same here. Because like when I tell people I'm Gen X, because people mistake me for a boomer because people only know boomers. Dude, I thought and... you were way younger. Thank you so much. For I real. appreciate that. Like 26 oh, or something. And likewise, like I, you know, I just assume, I assume everybody who does comedy is 10 years younger than me. Minimally. Yeah, um, same. So, yeah, but like I, I think Gen X, like people like we you know what it is because we're the generation of slackers so we didn't do anything it's mm-hmm. not that we didn't do anything wrong we just didn't do anything so i think that's why we get lost in the shuffle um so talk about being a gen xer you're a gen xer <laughs> doing comedy nowadays which is awesome yeah you know i was just talking to my my cousin came to the show last night and she's 23 and we were just having this conversation in the car i don't know how much of it i should share but i <laughs> you know i'm a always bad at that but uh i do think that generation the generation the millennials are you know they're so hyper aware of how they're being perceived all the time and what they're saying and i know myself i've i've gone through phases of that especially recently where it's it's can be paralyzing and you're afraid to say you're afraid to say anything and do the things that you would normally be doing and and live and speak freely absolutely and i think no matter what age you are everybody's concerned about that and you know you're replaying things that you've done or said and it'll keep you up at night and freak you out and i think um you know, that's really not a good place to be for anybody to be living like that. And especially as a parent thinking about my kids coming up, their generation, they're, they need to be able to have some room to mess up. And I think a lot of these people that are 22, 21, pointing fingers at people and painting themselves in a corner where it's like, you haven't, you're going to fuck up. Yeah. Everybody does. You're going to make huge mistakes. Hopefully you can recognize those and try and correct them and stop and fix it. But I think it's better if people are more open-minded. Like my, you know, I'm not trying to, I think people that age are worried about getting canceled when they work at a, yeah. They work at a Starbucks or something, yeah. you know, and they're they're terrified of like something they tweeted in 2012. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. It's these, you know, I mean, mm. you know, being a Gen X, like we didn't conceive of anything like this. So we were I think I think our generation was the last to really be able to make mistakes and then learn from it and recoup and not have that constantly follow us throughout the rest of our lives. And and to the to the uh to the uh gen y people the millennials it's just like and beyond it's like it's kind of on them though because they're putting everything they do about their lives right on here you know but that's not also i feel i, I mean we're conditioned to doing it we are totally i have you ever thought about this i've thought about this and it's a freaky thought what if everyone's just taking out their phone and looking at it that much just around you wow what if that's not happening all the time? Yeah. Because that's why you're doing it. You're, totally. And then you get hooked to it and you're getting a lot of like serotonin and all of those, you know, yeah. dopamine hits. And it's like a slot machine in your pocket. Absolutely. And but you're at 100% the same time, right. like, yeah, like you'll be just sitting there consciously. Like, yeah, you're, like, you're sitting you there. See, you do it. It's just like, oh, yeah, maybe I should check mine. And yeah. here's another thing I noticed. Let's say. Like, we're all socially awkward, right? Yeah. I am. I have social anxiety. People find that hard to believe because I can kind of fake yeah. it. You know what I mean? But I, it's exhausting for me to do it, and then I have to, like, recharge. So we are all so- socially awkward. I have anxiety. Yeah. And I've seen this happen where somebody walks into a room without their phone in their hand, and the first person they see, they sort of 
kind of fudge the initial smile or engagement or eye contact. And I've watched this happen because I love people watching and they'll, they'll kind of mess it up or they think they've messed it up and they immediately reach for their phone and pull it out of their pocket and they check in there because it's like, it's, it's a safety blanket. Absolutely. It's it's like, this is, oh, I'm just made an ass out of myself, even though they didn't really. But they feel that way. And so it's like, oh, I've got to look at, yeah, distract myself. Oh, I'm busy. Or look at something positive like, oh, someone liked my photo. Whatever it is to like soothe that anxiety. 100%. Like you said, safety blanket. That's yeah. that's the, like the most apt analogy you come up with these things. Because, I mean, it's a catch-all. I mean, it's like you're on the train. You don't have anything to do. Like most people mm-hmm. don't want to stare awkwardly like, right. at the person in front of them. So it's like, oh, I have this now. Yeah. You know? I was with I was with a young lady who uh, you know she was a generation after my never dating anybody in their twenties again not, and not for any other reason just like it's just too much of a disparity between me and them but like socially but like it was every time I talked every time just yeah. like wow okay so I could just be invisible right now I'll wait for whenever you want to talk sure you know I yeah mean, I just I find that and I don't know how yeah. much of that is intentional yeah. Or if it's compulsive exactly. and you don't know how, how to be offended by that. Or if I feel like I make people uncomfortable. I don't know. You know, I think I don't know what it well, is, but I I mean, you do have an aura to you to, to, to your credit, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's I, it's I try not to make I just yeah. I don't know what it is, but you're awesome. So, that's what it no, is. People can't not, the, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I do make people uncomfortable. And yeah. so I don't know if it's like something that I'm doing that's like making them like, I got to check out for a second. No, you're fine. You know what I mean? But that's my social anxiety. Of course. Yeah. You're making that a sign. You're projecting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Totally like me. We're all like insane and nervous and scared and angry. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not, I mean, humans like evolution, (laughs) silly evolution wise, we're not supposed to live like this in fucking cities. I know. Like, what did I read that people are only able to recall something like, or only able to retain 20% of the faces that we actually come in contact with on a daily basis, which is why like they're conversations that i've had with people that i just don't remember because it's such an influx of information all the time yeah that's so this is this is not how we're supposed to live well and i heard something on i think it was joe rogan yeah about like you can only know 120 people or something like or 150 people there's only like a certain amount of yeah your brain just doesn't have the bandwidth for all of this and so and it's getting worse it does get worse Um, you know who's a, a really per, a person, and I, I love him, but like I've had only good conversations with him, but like he's a very intense person. Like if he's talking to somebody, like I don't approach him. Danny Callis. Oh, I love Danny. I so love much. him, but like when I see him in conversation, I'm like they're talking about something serious, and it's probably about something stupid like hot dogs or something. <laughs> but like he has a very intense look about him. I'm just Does like oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll steer clear of this conversation. Adam Burke was giving me shit about how oh, I, I, really I looked at Danny. Awesome. Yeah. I was looking at Danny like idolizing him because <laughs> I finally saw him after, you know, the pandemic yeah. and before that even. And Adam was like, you're just gazing at him. And I said, I know, because, you know, I just look up to him and I think he's great. And that's awesome to yeah. hear that you look up to people because I know so many people <laughs> who look up to you. So it's like it's like the whole like grandfather thing. Like you're 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 the comedy parent to a lot of people, and that's somebody that who you look up to, which is great. Oh that's, yeah, that's, he's yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I first started coming down to do open mics, yeah, um, and I didn't know anybody, it was very, you know, cold. It was like standing there by yourself you're waiting three hours to go up at lotties and it's like awkward that social anxiety was like through the roof and then it's like you're you're there for a long time and you're like gonna bomb yeah (laughs) um but he was very nice to me same uh like i I, and by the way i I just love how you pulled lotties like that name out because i i don't think i've had i've only gone up there five times but never a good set no yeah um and like yeah, like when I'm he was one of the people who I met very early on because I was hanging out with Pratik Srivastava a lot. He's like my best friend. Oh, I love him. Oh wow, he's gonna he's gonna love the fact that you said that. Um, and he was like bringing me around. He's to from meet Lombard, people. where I'm yeah, from. Yeah. Oh, you're from Lombard too. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, I had um, 
uh, uh, oh no, I didn't have Vic on yet. I'm gonna have Vic on. I had Tyler on, but I'm gonna have Vic, and I know Vic's from Lombard as well. Vic's from Naperville, but Tyler's, Tyler's from, from Lombard. Lombard. Yeah. I, I hate to say how interchangeable <laughs> they are sometimes, but okay, I knew I had some of the facts right. Uh, yeah, I had Tyler on. That was a really good episode of the podcast, just because I mean it's just like a great rapport. So, um, yeah, but yeah, Danny Callis is one of the people I met early on, and like one of the nicest people to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, this is good. There's there there's human beings doing this comedy thing. Cause you know how we're supposed to have that whole like, oh, we're we're all assholes and we're getting our bitterness out on stage. Like, yeah. no, couldn't be further from the truth for I would say thankfully, knock on wood, a majority of the scene. So Yeah. 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 I mean I watched this set that I recorded in 2016 yesterday and (laughs) I'm just curious but like should we all be doing this like no 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 I hate watching myself I hate listening to myself common thing I've noticed by the way yeah like a lot of people it's really hard and um so anyway yeah I was watching it it's taken me a few times to be able to like really watch it. Really? And I watched it yesterday as if it was someone else. And I think enough time has passed. My life is a lot different than it was there. And I look different. You know, I'm like probably 30, 40 pounds lighter now. I have darker hair. Off, by the way. So, well, no, yeah. I don't know what's going on. It's probably <laughs> stress. Don't. It's just like stress. Don't it's congratulate not, me. My not, life is hell. <laughs> like something's wrong. Um, <laughs> and no, but I was watching her. Me yeah. as well, I got as her. I was That's watching like, her, yeah. and I kind of got like a little emotional about it, and I thought, "Good for you, dude." Like, it just. I mean. The reality behind the performance was yeah. like I knew, like there is a lot of pain and stuff ha- and sadness happening yeah. there, but as far as a performance, I feel like it was impressive that I could conjure that up or perform that, and in, in this, and um, I thought it was cool. To, yeah, and it was like, oh, okay. You know, Bravo, that's maybe yeah. not so, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just sort of proud of her, and I it was like, this is a cool person. Is it, If I took myself out of it, yeah. finally, and I looked at it like that, it was, it was okay. But, uh, you know, I think, like you said, my point bringing that up was, you know, she, that performer. Yeah. Like, is like kind of like, whoa, like, you, I don't know what she would be like at lunch <laughs> or out to it. lunch. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? If you totally. went out, if you took her out to lunch or had her, um, in a, like a setting like that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I get that too. I mean, I, I you know, like at least originally like the, like the first couple of years I was performing, I was bringing out like all my anger on stage. Mm-hmm. And when people found out like I was a nice person off stage, they're like, yeah, you're like two totally different people. Yeah. So now it's like, I'm getting to the point where I'm sort of merging the two, you know, yeah. but I totally get that. Yeah. Where it's just like, how would that person be in real life compared to their stage persona? Yeah. And that leads me to question like, okay, so, um, like, do you feel like that there's that there is a, a do you feel like when you're on stage, you channel some of whatever's going on in your life to, into the character? Are you able to shut that side of you off? At least at this point now, would you say you're able to shut that off and you're just performing as Kristen Toomey, the stage persona versus, you know, you know what I mean? Or are you yeah, always do, bringing like, I yourself do know what on you mean. stage? And I think I got. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, I don't know, dude. Honestly, yeah. it has to go. You kind of have to go line by line or step by step or minute to minute because Absolutely. I feel like there's much there it's a blurry of what is yeah. real and what isn't um and I think you know well it serves I feel it. like I was in I've been sober like a year now oh my, congratulations thank you yeah, yeah I just uh, I got to three myself so oh, like nice. yeah, Good yeah. For you. totally yeah dude how do you feel about it um, I I feel much clearer. Hell yeah. Um, and more in control of like what's what's happening. Yeah. 
which is good and less paranoid. I was really, really paranoid and really, um, my anxiety is better and my depression is better, all of that. Um, but, you know, I think I was full of this. It was like I was I was full of this rage, and yeah. I, I don't know where the rage was coming from. I don't know if it was because I, I really don't. It was, yeah. It's like I was in some sort of traumatic thing. I don't know yeah. what it was, man, yeah. really. But I, I mean, felt like I was in this fueled, yeah. sort of like catapulted in, in this frantic phase. Totally. And um, so I don't feel like that anymore. Good. So yeah, I think I it's like say, a yes, pendulum yeah. of yeah. Um, hopefully in the middle of that persona and, you know, me at my most open and vulnerable and, Absolutely, you know, yeah. how more like how I am with my kids or family. Well, I'm going to I definitely want to dive into the family element of it, because, again, a lot of people that are doing comedy, as you and I both know, especially at the early phases of it, like I got, I'm a late bloomer, but like. Uh, a lot of people that are in their 20s, they don't have the whole family and kid experience. But before that, I'm just curious about this one other aspect because I think you're touching on something very important there in terms of the whole pendulum between the character and the person. I mean, near as I can tell, I've seen you perform a few times now, and it's just you're very anecdotal with your humor, and I think that type of that type of like balance serves that humor well, whereas somebody who's doing more of like an alty thing or they're coming up with... Uh, you know, just things that have nothing to do with them as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, I could definitely see how, you know, the emotionality of, you know, dealing with their life could probably get in the way of their performance. Whereas, yeah, and like I'm an anecdotal performer. I, If I'm going through something that day, you're going to see it on yeah, stage most likely. Sure. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so circling back to um, and again, congratulations on one year worth of sobriety. That's Thanks. that's fucking huge. Thank you. It's fucking huge. Uh and you're right. Like, I think people don't really quite understand until after they abstain from whatever substances. I don't care what this. And people can tell me up and down, oh, weed is benign. No, it's not. It's still fucking with everything. It every wasn't bit of for me. Systems. Yeah, exactly. I was like, is there crack in this or meth or something? I was like, out of my mind. Well, do, but... you, do you remember <laughs> weed when we were kids? And it was just like you smoke it and you get fucked up for a couple hours. Yeah. And like, you know, maybe the munchies and fine, right? I, uh, last time I smoked weed was 10 years ago. I took one hit off of my friend's yeah. uh, my friend's pipe, and it was like this modern incarnation of weed. I stared at the wall for 45 fucking minutes. Dude. Unblinking. I was like, I looked at him, I was like, how the fuck do you do this every day? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It so. is a lot. And, and I'm, I'm so glad it's... It's not, yeah, it's not it's a not thing here, anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and, and, and yeah, it's just like when you abstain from stuff like that, at least for me, like... I realized just how much I was throwing myself out of the loop. You know, it's like while you're doing like while I was drinking, I was just like, oh, this is normal. This is just who I am. And it's just like, no, no, no. It's just a way different. I mean, it's throwing every chemical out of the uh, equilibrium. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially, I mean, you know, once you get to around our age, it's just like why like why you know like why like i've had fun with this like I, there's no experimenting with drugs i've seen the experiment and it works like you know what mm-hmm. i mean i don't know uh, well i was talking to brian babylon yeah. last night about this a chicago comic oh yeah is he know. is he back in town like is yeah he, oh, well he's he's traveling all over but yeah i would assume, yeah. <laughs> I would assume so um and he actually said this to me he's like why do you self-sabotage like this because I do, you know, and I think definitely, you know, drinking and smoking pot for me was a form of that was a way of doing that because I was, you know, definitely been beating myself up for a very long time. Yeah. And I think it was just another way to like kick my own ass and sabotage my shit and make it harder for me to get my shit together and do well you know and I don't and it's like that's the root of so many problems and I don't know where that comes from but it's like if I could get to that yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, kudos to you and your the reason. By the way, this is not a visual medium, clearly, for any of my listeners. So I'm <laughs> nodding my head profusely at what uh, Kristen is saying because it's something that you know, as both an addict and somebody who's struggled a lifelong struggle with mental health stuff, which I talk about on all the podcast episodes anyway. But uh, yeah, it's it, it it's it, there is a there has been just a through line of self sabotaging behavior, and I think with with people who do struggle with substances, with people who do struggle with mental health stuff, that tends to be kind of the status quo. It's just yeah. like yeah, it's like like it's like unworthy of yes. success and love and all the good things. Yeah. And I I mean that's a horrible when I hear me even say that makes yeah. me emotional because it's like if anyone else I knew or yeah. you or you know anybody even a stranger said that to me it would like break my heart and totally. I would be like dude don't do that but yeah. it's like your own self you don't look out for yourself the same Absolutely. as you would for somebody else you know yeah so it's really fucked up i don't know why i'm gonna tell you this dude don't do it i I mean but like yeah it's just it's 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 you know it's so easy to say that from especially from the outsider perspective but i know that like within it's just like it's like deep in there it is it is it's so deep in there because i'm like even you know now when you're clear-headed you're sober you're like i can recognize that the pattern of that behavior and what you're doing and and why and it's like don't fucking yeah do it yeah and then it's like that anxiety creeps up and the those doubts start kicking around in your head and then you know you're pulling out your phone because you don't want to make eye contact and then it just spirals into like i shouldn't know they don't really like me or this i'm not really good at this i shouldn't go there i smell too much to go there yeah you know, like anything. The anything. wind's too strong the to leave my strong. house. The sun today. came up. I, yeah. It is way too bright. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, that's uh, that's great, and it's good to know that. You know, I mean, not good to know. I mean, listen, nobody should have to struggle any more than they have to. But also, I, I'm a firm believer in struggling. Struggles, uh, struggles, uh, forge character. I, I'm using, I'm saying that incorrectly, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering, like you know, you know, makes character and. Uh, well, see, that brings yeah. me back to like how we started the conversation about cancel culture, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it does, in fact, yeah. build and strengthen character. Yeah. And I think that we're, with the cancel culture, it's like we're robbing people of that opportunity to, to fuck up and grow and learn from it yeah. and come back from that and say, hey, wow, that was fucked up and yeah. um, I'm sorry. And I think when you're 21 or 19 and you haven't done anything really yet, it's real easy to be like, hey, you know, you're a piece of shit or whatever. Yeah. I also find it's kind of the same thing with people that have never had a long term relationship will judge the shit out of your marriage the most. Yeah. You know, or people that have never had kids, they'll judge how you are with your kids the most. It's like 19 year olds will judge the shit that you've done in your life and yeah. said and done because they haven't done shit yet. They haven't yet. done anything. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like how there's a very, and I've noticed this as I've reached my 40s because like politically, I mean, again, I'm an insane person. I believe aliens run everything. But <laughs> like I also, like I became. Dude, we got to hang out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was going to say like, it's just, to me, it's just, there's too many obvious things pointing to this. But oh I would say that like, I, like I've become more centrist in my, because of course, you know, being, you know, uh, uh, a New York Jew like I grew up like oh no no, no. I'm gonna be as far left as humanly possible and then it's like once I got as older alien I, possible well yeah, <laughs> there it is I mean that man like come on man they are they are gearing us up for something I'm pointing at my phone oh, uh, they are this is a generational thing and they're just doing it every generation they're adding some new thing to get us acclimatized anyway uh that being said Yikes. um well, I mean, I just noticed that, uh, and there's definitely there's like a a, a a thing where people who are usually left, you know, when they're in their twenties, when they get to my age, they're either more center, or they go all full right because then they've realized that like, oh, life isn't life isn't as sweet as they were taught, and all that idealism gets like shred, gets taken away from them to a certain degree. I mean, I, I would consider myself to be left. Yeah, but I'm also yeah, I'm definitely left leaning. A loyal, uh, what is the term I just heard someone say? Um, 
loyal oppositionist. Loyal oppositionist. Is that, the thing? Is that a thing? I, if it's not a thing, let's make it's it a like thing. It's like I'm, I'm left, it. but it doesn't. That doesn't mean that I approve of the tactics of the left or yeah. the or the extreme of it. Yeah. And I feel Same. like it should be held. Um, I feel like, you know, I wouldn't be on either side, but I think both sides have some positives and yeah. um you know so i i feel like it being a centrist is yeah. is just not being like i want to cancel people for yeah. saying whatever the wrong pronoun or whatever yeah. it is and then the right is like proud boy exactly, racist yeah. confederate flag flyer and it's like i'm not either one of those so does yeah. that make me a centrist i mean is I, that yeah, like where I mean, we're at that's what I'm saying. That's why I go with the alien thing because I'm like I don't I don't associate with and for the exact same reasons too. I'm just like I don't associate with any of the chaos any of these either of these sides are doing. I think both of them yeah. are those. And it's like they're it's like they're it's like an arms race. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like I remember when CNN and I'm sure pretty sure you remember this when CNN had actual news and wasn't like the the less version of Fox. And I I remember that distinctly like, oh no, that's where you go for news. Like that's you watch you watch CNN, you'll get actual unbiased news. And then now it's just like they're in this arms race. I'm like, I, I can't. I'm 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 taking a knee. I'm worrying about my bills. Well they're competing uh, yeah. with your phone. They are. Right? They are. So they're competing with the entire universe of content Absolutely. for your attention. And they need your you to watch a channel a tv channel for what 15 minutes to get ad money i don't know what the how it works but i'm just saying and they're terrifying they have to terrify you to keep you engaged because otherwise you can go on twitter and you can become outraged at something and spend the next you know i watched i don't even have access to my twitter account anymore i've smart um, i don't have one yeah which has been great yeah but with the free britney thing i i have actually, no idea what that's about i saw it i was just like i i don't need to tune into this at i all. yeah i felt the opposite i felt compelled to tune into that even though i've been tuned out of a lot of things Got but it. i felt what is it I, um you know she's being it's like she's being trafficked you're in labor trafficked and she's been in this conservatory ship and she can't access her money she can't drive a car she's been put on lithium they have an IUD in her, and they she wants it out, and they won't take it out, and she wants to have a kid, and they won't let her. What is this, some Scientology thing? It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what it is, um, other than the fact that they want her to. But it's not Scientology. Keep working. I don't think so. There's no mention of any of that. Wow. Um, they want her to keep working. They want wow. her to keep working, and she's paying for the lawyer, her family, and the lawyers, and all this stuff. So my point being that I went on Twitter um, on the web just to look that up. And I was so upset and outraged by what's happening to her and how she's been treated that I did spend hours. I even re-engaged today at lunch right before I came. And I spent hours looking at it because it's, it's upsetting and it's... Um, like how does something like this happen? How does a powerful, famous, iconic woman who's a multimillionaire, how is she not able to get her hair and nails done because they won't let her? Like I didn't know anything about it. Now I want to look into it. Yeah, I was just like, I didn't know. I thought it was just like, oh, it's some stupid music thing. Like I genuinely had no idea what it was. No, she like like, is like on lockdown for 13 years. And it's like people are just calling it, it's kind of like sex trafficking. It's kind of like what? labor trafficking, Jesus. human trafficking. And um, so That's what I'm really saying that. is yeah. CNN has to compete with yeah. the, That's a hashtag, the interest the of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, free Britney th- yeah. stuff. You know, they have got, they've got to scare you or outrage you or something to keep you engaged. Totally. And... Which, by the way, to Fox News's credit or discredit, they have been doing that for years, mm-hmm. and they have, they've, they've, they, they I, I, again, I, I mean, at least they don't have the monopoly on it anymore. But, uh, yeah, they were master levels of doing that. Like for their audience, my uncle 
full Fox News. Like he he has a picture of him in the paper paper wearing like a McCain Palin T shirt. Like he's oh, wow. like yeah, he's as far right as humanly possible. And like he yeah, just I have family that's right. Oh on yeah, the right. And family that's on the left. Same here. And yeah. his brother, his brother, my yeah. dad, couldn't be further from that. It was just oh, really? Like, yeah. Cause it was so a, do they get along? They get along fine. It's just, it's, there was a huge age gap. Like when I found this out, like, so my dad and my aunt, they're the two oldest family members. They, they, uh, and my uncle was born 10 years removed from them. And when they were kids, uh, my grandparents, because they didn't have money to, you know, subsidize, you know, the, you know, their income. They had borders stay with them. So they had people of every race and mm. religion and background staying there. So they were very open-minded. The family business got a lot of money. My my dad and my aunt went to college, and they went to college in Philly, which Philly was still fairly, you know, even though Pennsylvania is kind of, you know, red, but Philly was always kind of liberal. So they were, you know, exposed to everything. Uh, my they joined this church and that church was just as, you know, like, like you would assume a church in a small town would be. And my uncle never left the small town. I mean, he went out and he went to college, but he definitely had his values that he got from there. And that happened after the whole borders thing. So within that 10 year period, they switched completely and he got wow. raised in a different environment than my dad did. Isn't that's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting how the money and the kind of changes people. The money sometimes. changes people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, so since uh, so, so let's let's talk a bit about because I swear to God, I will absolutely get beaten to death by my friends if I don't ask you some comedy questions. OK, even though I love this conversation. <laughs> oh, the, 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 I, I, I just want to de- especially when you talked about the alien stuff a little bit. I was like, let's deep dive. That UFO shit was bullshit. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Let me compose myself. All right. So, uh, so how long have you been doing comedy? I started in 2008. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. You told me 13 years. And you told me uh, you started off in Second City fairly. Yeah. In 2006. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. My daughter was two. And I started going to classes down there every Sunday for like three hours. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, yeah. Oh, wow. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Then I started doing stand up. 2008 so did you do like the full improv sketch thing with second city or did you go because i remember they did have like this they did have like the stand-up classes there for a bit and i didn't do stand-up class i did uh improv yeah and then i was in a sketch show oh really okay there in the skybox theater oh wow okay yeah and uh so but i didn't made- get the conservatory ship i didn't get it I thought, okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I always like looked at that kind of as like a, like the way it was pitched to me, kind of like when I read it was like it was pay to win, like oh as long as you're willing to pay for the extra. No, 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 levels. that's the well, you still do have to pay. So yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to earn that fucking. You have thing, to right? earn that yeah. one. That's the one I didn't get. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you earned every accolade outside. Well, okay. So what? <laughs> so what made you go over to stand up from sketch? Um. Everybody knows it's way more fun. Sorry. No, actually, I was nervous to do stand up, yeah. and I really thought that I was going to be more of a sketch improver. Oh, okay. Like SNL. Type. Yeah. But um, I had a friend on, I mean, in real life, but we would talk on Facebook, and he would kind of encourage me to do stand up. And then I saw one of the people from my improv class was doing the open mic out in Berwyn at a place. And so I kind of just got talked into doing it. Nice. And then, um, yeah, it went really well the first time. Wow. Good for you. I, (laughs) what's that like having a great first open mic experience? That's amazing. It puts the hooks in, I'd say, but, um, the second time was terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. so no, you I didn't... bombed immediately after the next time, the next while. Then it was so it was it was you. I think people have it either way. Yeah. Either way, it's not good. No, because if it's you not. do well the first time, you're like, what? It's that. like a fluke yeah. thing, right? And you're like, yeah, I let know me ask I could you, like, do did your did your ego like get super inflated from the first oh, one? I'm you're sure. like, oh, I'm a fucking killer. Like, I of was... course, of course, I'd be good at this. I I thought, oh my gosh, I got this. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I totally didn't have it. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, it. Uh, my first set was in Philly, and I did like twelve mics in Philly, so I don't even really count my Philly time. But like, first set bombed. Like, I, I, I thought bombing was people booing you, and I was just like, no, because at least they're engaged. I had nothing. It was si- like I didn't know what that was, what pure silence oh. was while I'm talking, just no response. I just remember these two very attractive women at the corner of the bar. They were watching me. Two minutes into my set, five minutes set, two minutes to my set, they just turned around and started talking. I was just like, oh, this, when people say bombing, that's what they're talking about. And then, but like for some reason, like something snapped in my head. And the second I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh, I got to fucking do that again. See, I have to do that. Again. I give you credit for that because I think that takes a, ter- a certain type of person. If I would have bombed crazy. the you first say crazy. time, well, yeah. I don't know. I'm whatever it is. I'm that too. I'm okay, sure that good. it's yeah. just a certain type of person to. Yeah, I mean, if I bomb, yeah, I'm like I have got to do it again immediately. Yeah. That is my. I'm like I. If it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm like, can I just do it on this corner? Like, yeah. just do it and set. Um, just to get it off of you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. It's to get it off of you. But I think, yeah, getting back on the horse or whatever. Totally. But to do that the first time, and I don't know, if I would have done that the first time, I would have been like, whoa, this is not for me. This is terrible. But I think when you do well the first time. Yeah. Gives a little taste. It gives you a little, yeah, it's like like, that first, you know, it's like a drug dealer, really. Totally. You get high the first time, Exactly. Is this how we're going to give it? Yeah, you're going to I hate to it. talk about it like that. But I mean, that's what I mean. Let's be honest. I mean, I because I think a lot of people, they get into the party aspect. And I've noticed this because I've never I've never performed drunk. Um, you know, and I, I, for the most time that I've been in Chicago, I haven't been. So I've observed the way people are. And I notice that there's a lot of comics and God bless them. They'll find their path eventually. But I feel like and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a lot of people who are doing comedy right now. And it's like the majority reason is because they want to finally be a part of a scene that allows for their partying to be okay. Mm. And uh, and I figured this out. It's like because we get an endorphin rush from performing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and and there's no there's no drug I've ever taken that's comparative comparative to that. And I think what I've noticed is it feels like people, especially when they have a good set, they kind of want to drag that high out as long as they can. Yeah. And they they try to augment that with whatever substance they can get their hands on. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. That is the case. Oh, okay, good. I would say that that is a large part of it. Yeah. I would also say that there's the reverse where kind of like what you said at the same. I think at the start, there's people that want to excuse their partying and they have found the community, like you said. And then there's people that do the comedy and want to keep that. Yeah. Try and recreate or keep that, uh, adrenaline rush going. Yeah. And so they find ways to kind of come down off of that or ramp it up or keep it going. So I think it's both of that. It's, you know, and I think you can tell who's doing what. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty clear. Pre- it's pretty clear. Yeah, if the yeah. horse is before the cart or not. Totally. I mean, there's there's people when they tell me it's like they can't. They're like they can't perform unless they 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 drank or they smoked weed. I'm like the first thing I have in my head is like, how the fuck do you perform fucked up? Like to me, it's just like I need every faculty and faculties I don't have <laughs> to get up there to be able to fucking do anything. So, well, uh, I've done both. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and perfect person to ask. Yeah, like, yeah, I've like, done we're... both. And the first time I was, I did have drinks in me the first time I did it. And I think, um, there's been times where the alcohol and drugs or whatever, kind of got ahead of in importance of comedy that happens a lot too where it's like oh i can't wait to go out i gotta get the show out of the way sort of thing it's that (laughs) feeling of like oh i gotta hurry up and get up there so i can do everything else everything else and thankfully that's not hasn't been my experience yeah very much and that's usually a huge sign of like whoa this is way out of i'm fucked up yeah right now like my priorities and my motivation is in the wrong direction yeah that's a big sign that something's wrong absolutely i'm way past a red flag yeah but yeah that way past the red flag point yeah. Is, yeah but that's not that's not the case all the time that's like yeah. um 
that's an ex- I would say an extreme case. Most people need like one or two drinks just to loosen up to get up there. Yeah. That I see. Yeah. Um, I get it. Because I mean, let's be honest. It's it does not, not help me. Yeah. I've noticed when I'm, I've been very high. I've been on mushrooms up there. I've been mm. blacked out up there. None of those things, maybe they were interesting in a spectacle sort of way. Yeah. Um, but they weren't. Cross them off the bucket brilliant. list or whatever. Brilliant. <laughs> There's no way to be brilliant when no. you're doing that. There's, you're, oh, wow, you got lucky. That was decent yeah. or that made sense. Yeah. Um, that's really all you can hope for at that point. You're not creating something other than a real spectacle, I think, of yourself. Or yeah. um, people are impressed that you could form words well, in that state. I mean, if that's what you want to be, yeah, known for, known like, for, yeah, exactly. Like, wow. That might be if that's your niche. Um, well, I mean, I've again, you thankfully, thank you again for doing my show the or, or me Canute and and Justice show the other week because, like, I mean, it's you know, and and and, and not, not to put you on as high a pedestal as I believe you deserve to be on, but I'm gonna do that real quick. But like, just seeing somebody of your caliber performing at that level, and like, it just. To me, it just looked like a you were having the, you were having so much fun on stage, mm-hmm. uh, which I think a lot of people, especially early on, like I'm just starting to learn how to have fun with comedy, and I know like the first couple of years for me and for most people are just like I just want to remember my stuff, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. that it's completely nerve wracking. But like a, it seems like you're having fun up there. B, it sounds like you're natural, and C, if any chemicals were helping you before, which you just said they weren't. I was just like, I could not tell that in your performance at all. I mean, that was awesome. So thank, thank you again you. for doing that. Thank you. Um, do you, and you know, that's be- a fun show by the way. Thank you so much. And you guys packed that room and it was, uh, yeah, great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. I mean, we're, we're trying, I mean, we're, I'd love I, to do it anytime. I lo- you heard that guys here first. No gimmicks needed. Uh, we're gonna have Kristen Tui yeah. on there again, most People definitely. Should definitely come and check it out. And wow, other every comic should do it. Yeah. Well, you know? there you go. I mean, I think, I think that like once we put you, I mean, I I know this for a fact. When we when I started promoting that you were on the show, I was getting hit up by comics of. A, different ilk entirely so i'm like oh okay so i get it i get why people put uh you know and not i mean obviously you're an amazing performer i mean that's why people book you in the first place but um let me ask you this so uh comedy wise all right i we've we've talked for 46 minutes now and uh, it didn't feel like that which is good and i don't think it's going to feel like that for the listeners which is awesome um Okay, so 13, 13 years, Second City. Now, you mentioned that you have, do you have more than one kid or just I, the one? I have two. You have two, and how old are they now? 16 and 12. Oh, wow. Okay, so they're like actual people. Yes. Like that. Okay, wow. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So, uh, well, congratulations. Um, how do you feel uh, that's either like, that's either shaped who you are as a performer, or how do you feel it's affected you as a performer um, and as a person? Oh wow! Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, normally, people front load their podcast <laughs> with the tough. But I'm just leaving it right at the end. Let's just uh, um, throw you the haymakers. They're the best thing, you know, I've ever done. Yeah. And whatever I do aside from having made them is um, bonus. I nice. feel like that's like my purpose has been fulfilled. Um. So it's nice that I can check that box with them. Absolutely. Existing. And um, so, yeah, that's a really good thing. They make me, um, I miss them all the time. And whenever I'm not with them. Yeah. And um, I love them so much. I, It's wonderful to have that role as a mother you know it really yeah. is it's um scary and scary to love something like that yeah it's like sort of like a ferocious love that's like whoa <laughs> um I mean, I could only imagine. I, I'm terrified of the notion of kids. Like, knock on wood, I am too crazy a person to sustain a relationship long enough to have kids. So, like, 
to people who can do it, great. Like in that, and I mean, you sound like you're coming from a very real place about it. By the way, Kristen's kids, if you ever listen to my podcast, which I, they I mean, won't. They I, I was going to say, I was going to say, twenty years from now, after some, I do something really crazy that makes this podcast famous. Uh, she loves you. Yeah. She said it here. Um, how do you feel that that uh, do you feel that it's affected or in any way shaped how you, you as a uh, performer? Because it's certainly absolutely. shaped as a person. But I think, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that. You know, watching that special, especially it's like. That rage or that uh, performance, it's a perform. It's a, you know, sort of a rational rage. It's, yeah. Right? It's that anger exaggerated for entertainment purposes. Yeah. Us turning the volume to 11, right. if you will. And yeah. it's because I think, you know, being a parent or being a spouse, there's a lot of times you get slighted or you just have a lot of frustrations that are bent, built yeah. up. And... You know, you don't fly off the handle in front of your kids like that. Of course. And so when you have an opportunity to get on stage and perform that as if that like a sort of fantastical way. Yeah. Then that adds fuel to the performance in that sense. And it's also, you know, you're letting off of you're letting off steam for other parents as well that they they don't have the ability to perform those things they feel like they're too ashamed to say though they thought those things or felt those things and so um you know that's well that's part of our job as performers to let people live vicariously through us mm because we're the we're the assholes on the stage doing those stupid being humiliated. things yeah exactly being humiliated <laughs> right. and we're doing that for the because you don't have to that's why yeah. we're taking one for the for the yeah. team of the audience so uh yeah and i yeah. think because i do see that and i do have such a respect for people that are willing to do that and i, I don't know that everybody's fully aware that they're doing that yeah but um I think when I see people treating comics like shit or Oh, you mean from the comics crowd? or no, no, no. I just mean in general. Yeah. Um or comics kind of being shitty to each I other. It. I and it's hate like, it. dude, you're already like it's I it really it just bugs me cuz I'm yeah. like it's like you're beating up um Somebody that is hurt and being brave. Yeah. And that, it's like, don't. Please say everything. Can you just say that again? Because I think there's people who really need to hear somebody of your caliber saying that. Because I've been saying this for us. Just like, especially when it's amongst comics. It's just like you're, like, you're talking about how much this person sucks because they have something you don't. Shut up and just do. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, why? Like, just let, yeah. let and everybody it's like, do their own be, thing. Yeah. It w- and also, if you're being shitty, like, if you're, you can't celebrate someone else's success without taking that as a personal insult. That pisses me off so totally. much when people do that. And, and I get immediately turned off. I hate off. it. Yeah. And it's like, then what the fuck are you working for? Thank are you, you working for everyone to, do you want everyone to hate you? Yeah. Don't fucking tell me you do. Because yeah. I know as a comedian, you really need love yeah. and you really want their approval. Yeah. So go fuck yourself if you're At trying to tell me that. 100%. So you're full of shit. Yeah. And you're working towards... What being everybody, everybody kissing your ass and being jealous and hateful towards you? Is yeah. that what you really? You're. It's There's like one no. person in particular. I, I can't wait for them. To you do want. This anyway. You want. Yeah. Approval and acceptance yeah. and respect. So why don't you try giving that? Yeah. And absolutely. 100%. Be supportive of. There's only a. Th- couple thousand comedians in the world it's like can we just get along since the rest of the world is ready to pounce on us for saying any wrong thing at any moment yeah can we not uh cannibalize each other on top of it and it's like that that's upsetting to me and i understand that not everybody's gonna get along and personalities don't always mesh well that's fine you don't have to have you don't have to hang out with that person but you also don't have to fucking talk shit and and getting their business and all this stuff 100%. and hate on them for getting something yeah 
there's so much there's so many opportunities such a waste of energy yeah. and it makes it a toxic toxic environment and um it's a shame to see that and it, that petty shit and this whole like well you suck that's why uh you know fuck you you suck you shouldn't be doing this listen whoever's saying that i get it Okay, I've done that myself. I used to be like that. Yeah. When you're starting out, especially, that's like a new comic thing to be like, oh, they suck. Fuck them. Yeah. But listen, everybody sucks at one point. Yes. Every single person sucks at one I'd point. I'd say if you're under 10 years, you still kind of right. suck. You know what I mean? It's just like. It's... I suck most of the time. For me, in my opinion. You see this? A guy just sit and how 13 years. Yeah. Okay. You've done. Co- you've headlined how many places? Yeah. You've worked how many rooms in how many states? Do you know what I mean? And you're saying this about and yourself. I'm yeah. terribly. Like my first time back after the pandemic, it was terrible. Yeah. And isn't and then it gross to you when people like, are, are, uh, are like. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just like everybody's. No matter how long you're doing this, yeah. nobody has all the answers. To, yeah. Nobody is perfect, right? And um, I just think the pettiness that comics get into yeah. is, you know, it's hard to be around. It's it's It sucks. I've been a part of it myself. I'm not saying I'm better than it or have always been above it. I'm saying I don't want anything to do with it now. Same. And um, I wish that it wasn't like that because, like I said, anybody getting up there, even if they do suck, if, yeah. even if it's painful to watch, you know, so, I mean, I can laugh at somebody bombing yeah. because I know what it's like and I'm like, oh shit, I yeah, know how yeah. they're feeling right now. Exactly. But if it's somebody that's obviously mentally ill and having a moment, yeah. I'm not going to make fun of them for that because totally. I've also been there. Exactly. And I'm going to have compassion towards that person. And I'm not, um, I think anybody like you going yeah. up there right now, if you are having a, a set and I'm, I'm looking at you, I'm not going to, even if I don't like, say you're doing a, an a an offensive joke. I don't know what that would be for me. I was going to say, like, I, I, I would love to know what you consider to be offensive. Like, that I, they, would I don't be, really have one. Yeah, that's good. I don't think I have one. But say you were saying something I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Um, or thought was shitty or stupid. Yeah. I would still have respect for what you're doing or attempting to do. Yeah. And I would say to myself, like, Especially knowing you a little bit better now, knowing yeah. that you're str- you struggle with mental health and and issues that I also struggle with, and that most of us do. Yeah, I know. I, I would look at you and be like, that. "Wow, dude!" Like, here's a, my point. Yeah. Sometimes I see somebody in a green room. Yeah. And they have so much anxiety. They're going back to the bathroom, back and forth to the bathroom, and I know what they're doing. Yeah. Right, and they're like they're fidgety and they're anxious, and then they get up on stage, and you can't tell. Yeah. And I'm so fucking proud of that person in that moment. And I'm I'm like, dude, you are being so brave and I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Because the audience has no idea that five minutes ago they're like puking in the bathroom. I have a great story about this. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. I have a great story. And then you're gonna fucking pick on somebody like that I know is going through that. Yeah. That makes me crazy. That's like dude. That makes me want to defend that person, you know? Absolutely. And um, so anyway, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to appreciate the story because I, I know you know him. And we uh, uh, just celebrated. Well, celebrate, not celebrate. That's not the, the right word. But we all gathered to, to, to mourn his loss. But uh, uh, Schwan was a very close friend of mine. Oh, wow. Right? And I, you've seen Schwan perform, right? Yeah. Okay. Schwan has never, ever, ever bombed okay he did the exact same five minutes every single time Mm -hmm. he never bombed one time never not one time bombed all right so we go and by the way i made the mistake of there was the first time for both of us at the laugh factory open mic right i had the misfortune of going up right after schwan not very good okay (laughs) absolutely bombed my dick off he goes up slays i mean slays hard right goes up comes off the stage this guy comes up to us and if you if people know schwan they know exactly what i'm talking about schwan the guy on stage being the nervous guy that he was that's who he was 
in real life. This guy came up to him and he was just like, that character you came up with was unbelievable. And me and Schwan start laughing our ass off because like, like he was just like this. Oh, my God. He thought it was a character. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like uh, I don't know, buddy. Listen, whatever you got worked for you that time. So, yeah. Dude, but, I uh, didn't know you knew Schwan. Oh, yeah. I, I, so I. So he and I, we connected because when I was in my early 20s, that's when I was struggling the most with my mental health stuff. I was homeless for a couple of years. I was in and out of the psych wards. Um, and like like his regimen of medication was very similar, oddly, to one of the like they had me on multiple different things of medication. But like one of the regimen he was on, I can't remember what it was specifically. But I was like, oh, I've, I've taken that. I've taken that. I've taken that at different points in my life. So I knew it, psychologically where that kid was at because I was there. And the one thing I was always in awe of was the fact that, like, at going through what I went through at his age, there's no way I would have had been able to function in any way, shape, form, or fashion in the comedy world having the balls to go up on stage. Like, there was no way I could have done that. So me seeing him go up on stage just, like, hit a certain – it hit a certain place. But yeah, it was yeah. just like – it was just like – this kid is the bravest fucking person I've ever seen because there's no way I could have done that wow. at my age going through the shit that I was going through. Wow. You know? So, yeah, it was a... That was a lot when we lost him. That was, yeah, I know. He was yeah. such a sweetheart. Such a, such a sweetheart. And, you know, it's just... So it's like every time I'm in the Laugh Factory, like, I always... like, And I love how they honor him there. Like, yeah. it is great. You know, they have everything in the sound room. But, yeah, like, that's that goes back to what you're saying about people like... You know, look... This this craft, this art form that we've all chosen to do or, you know, if you want to be spiritual about it, has chosen us. Um, you know, it does invite or it doesn't invite, but it it's there's a certain type of person that goes for it. You know what I mean? There's a certain type of person who's, who does it and sticks around to do it in the long haul. Right. Mm. And I think and I've definitely seen a through line like mental health wise of just like there's there's certain common traits you know, and like you said before, it is people longing for acceptance. It is people who felt in some way outcasted at some point. Mm -hmm. It is the social anxiety part I find completely fascinating that a lot of people have because it's just like, yeah, it's like a lot, especially in stand up. It's like a lot of people. That's a through line. And, you know, for anybody to go up there for any length of time, <laughs> good or bad. I mean, it that's just amazing. So counterintuitive. It, is. it seems so bizarre that you would want to get up there. And it is public performance is one of the, like the top five biggest fears for human beings. Like yeah, it's over death. Yeah, we're over death. <laughs> over death. Over death. Um, we laugh in the face of death, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. what we're doing all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was nervous. I still get nervous sometimes, but yeah. less about it's not really about getting up there in front of people. Yeah. But here's the thing. I get uncomfortable and I get nervous saying my name at the drive-thru at the Starbucks drive-thru. <laughs> I hate when they ask me to say my name. And so I'll do That's stuff so like I'll do stuff like that where it's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's not logical. It's not like, well, you have a fear of people because obviously I don't. Yeah. But it's like selective or something. It's certain situations. And I mean, I would feel like now you've been accustomed to it long enough because, I mean, I had horrible stage fright before. But like after years, like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, they work through it at some yeah. point. Yeah. But even super famous people like Barbara Streisand still gets she's horrible stage fright. Really? Horrible. Wow. She's yeah. like the consummate performer. Like, I know. I'm shocked about that. Holy shit. So some people, it just it never goes away. And um, yeah, it's interesting how it works. But. I think if you, um, maybe like you said, if you're called to do it, yeah, then that's sort of the price you pay or something that's part of the deal and you just deal with it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, well, I mean, this is, uh, we're going to wrap up here, but you mentioned before a special and I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it beforehand because <laughs> I'm sure that would have just been the entire podcast of me gush because like originally my guest after you was going to be Cameron Gillette and he dropped out uh, last night, which is fine. I, I didn't see a special until like last week and like immediately was just blown the fuck away by that. So like I'm so sure when I sit him down, it's just going to be all about that special. And oh, I'm cool. glad that I've 
Well, I found I literally I found out about your special yesterday. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, because I think did you just put it online or something? I put it out yesterday. Oh, okay, so yeah, like <laughs> uh, like my friends mentioned, they're like, I was just like, and then I I don't know why I put it in the back of my mind. I was like, oh shit, I'm interviewing her today. Maybe it's better that I didn't watch this or did or I don't know. So what's the name of the special? Motherfucker. Oh yeah, no, it's mother period fucker because I your mother I yeah. feel like. <laughs> You know, women usually get put in a Madonna or horror complex. Yes. And it's very hard for uh, not only men, but also other women to be able to see a full person. Yeah. You know? Totally. So um, that's sort of where that comes from. It's like, you know. Yeah. You're not necessarily one or the other. You're not a hoe or a housewife. You could be both. You could be both. Yeah. Your own thing. Guys, that is advice from Kristen to me. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I do apologize for the fact that it's exactly 972 degrees in here. Yeah, I'm sweaty. Yeah, this is, uh, we did cardio sitting down doing a podcast. <laughs> We're so. like on Pelotons this whole yeah, time. Yeah, the whole time. Like, if you hear me breathing, it's because, you know, literally I'm trying to get some sort of water vapor from the air. That's a, like panting like a dog. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Epic Cheat Day Podcast. Hit me up, Epic Cheat Day Podcast at Gmail, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, watch Kristen Tooby's special uh, Motherfucker. It's also available audio-wise, right? Yeah, yeah, on Spotify. Spotify. iTunes. Yeah. And uh, you're doing yourselves a favor because really that's, that'll be like a, a class in stand-up comedy. Thanks, guys. <laughs>